Are you, are you guys ready now? You're really, really ready? Okay. All right. You know, I, 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 you just need to follow me around a little more often. I like this, you know. This, this is good. I could get used to that. I could get used to that. I, I want to introduce someone to you that is really special to me, a member of my family. Um, I have a picture of her and my grandfather. Uh, this last spring, uh, unfortunately, my grandfather passed away. But my grandmother uh, is 85 years old. Her name is Betty. There she is uh, next to my grandfather. And uh, just a wonderful, wonderful, loving woman, right? Uh, she she uh, lived for, uh, is living right now, um, not in the present tense, uh, she is living right now in, in Spokane, Washington, where she's been for uh, 50, 60, 70, I don't know how many years, uh, but she has lived there a, an awful long time, and, and uh, it, I just did not grow up having the kinds of opportunities that I would have liked to get to know uh, my grandmother. We lived in Nebraska and Colorado and some other places in between, and, and, and there was just not that kind of occasion where it was like, hey, we're just going to pop on over to Grandma's house. You know what I mean? But when I got married, I remember getting the package in the mail and opening it up, and my grandmother had gone into her sewing room downstairs and Worked diligently for hours to make a quilt for my wife and I. It was her present to us. It was her way of saying, hey, hey, Michael, we love you and, and God's blessings on your marriage. When my eldest child was born, Lydia, it was a, a week or so later and we got this package in the mail and, and she had made another one. This time for a little girl, it was a, it was a quilt that she had gone down and she had sewn. And, and with every stitch, there was, it was something loving and, and she was expressing some connection about who she was and who I was and, and just wanted to say, uh, Michael, we, we love you. This is, for your, this is for your child. When Simon was born, uh, it didn't surprise us. Uh, a week later, uh, here comes another quilt. It was from grandma. My grandma's 85, I told you that. She's not able to get into her sewing room as often as she would like, but you do need to know this. For every grandchild, every great-grandchild, every wedding, someone gets a quilt. She's got 14 grandchildren, 32 great-grandchildren, and one great-great-grandchild. And every time someone gets married and every time someone has a child, it's grandma who makes the quilt. If you were to go down into her Spokane home, uh, you would go down the steps into what she calls her sewing room, and although she's unable uh, to sew like she used to, she planned ahead. There are stacks and stacks of beautifully sewn quilts for the next generation so that whoever comes next, they will know beyond a shadow of a doubt, they are family. You know, I 
know that we were separated by time and miles. But what my grandmother was saying unequivocally with each quilt that she sewed was, we love you and you are family. I want to suggest to you that in John 15, where we're going to land this morning, that's exactly what Jesus is saying. He's saying to his disciples who are fearful about his leaving this planet, uh, leaving them alone, uh, he is saying unequivocally, hey gang, you know what? Uh, I might leave and we might be separated by many miles and a lot of time, but you need to know unequivocally, absolutely, that there is a connection that no one can take away and you need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, we are family. And that's who we're supposed to be. So the question really seems to be to me this morning, who is family? I want to read to you the first eight verses of this beautiful chapter in John chapter 15. Jesus begins this way, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will bear even more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. In this text, Jesus answers who family is. And he answers who family is by, by pointing to those who bear fruit. You want to know who, fa- who family is? You just need to find those who are bearing fruit. All of us are to bear fruit. Did you notice that? If we're to be family, we're to bear fruit. We're not just to bear any fruit. We're to bear much fruit. In fact, by God's hand, we're to produce more and lasting fruit. Did you notice that? To bear fruit is another way of saying, hey, you, you have to show it. If you're family, you you show it. It's a way of saying there's an outward indicator about who we are. And as a family of followers, we have to be fruitful. That's what Jesus is saying. Uh, The idea this morning is that we might unequivocally come to the end of this text and in fact come to the end of our life. And like a child who's just been asked, let's say my eight-year-old daughter Lydia, if I were to bring her in and say, hey Lydia, what do you say? Should we go to Disney World? She would say, yes, yes, yes. What I'm hoping that we do at the end of our life, at the end of this text, is unequivocally we can say beyond a shadow of a doubt, I am family. But the question still remains. So who who is this family? 
Now, you know in the natural world of things that, that we know who our families are. They're the folks who look like us and they talk like us and they act like us. Uh, sometimes we don't like that they act like us, but they do. We bear their resemblance. I have my grandfather's nose. And they bear our resemblance. You see, families have identifying marks, don't they? There's characteristics. We can say, I know whose family you're from because, well, you know. It marks who they are because of the relationship that they have. I mean, I began to think of, of famous families in our world. I thought of car racing. If you hear the name Andretti, right, you might think car racing or maybe Earnhardt. Maybe you think the Clintons. Maybe you think the Bushes, but those families say something to us, don't they? You see, the Bushes and the Clintons, we recognize this, this, this is connected to politics. Because of their relationship, because of who they are, we expect them to be connected with something. I have this friend, he's, he's in the Air Force Reserves. He's not there uh, generally because he just loves every bit of it, but, but, but because uh, he has this sense of longing because uh, he doesn't want to drop the ball. Uh, his father and his grandfather and his brother are all part of the Air Force, and, and so he feels uh, this deep sense of calling, this loyalty, because that's who the family is. Families are connected to one another. There's something special about being family, about recognizing this, this deeply rooted connection that shapes who we are. Families do that. And being a part of Jesus' family, being a family of followers is no different. Jesus says it this way in verse 4. Did you catch it? It's kind of where we get this idea of remain. Chapter 15, verse 4, he says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. If you go through chapter 15, no fewer than 11 times in this text is Jesus saying, Hey, you need to remain in me, and I need to remain in you, and you just need to stay put. There's just no way around it. If you want to be family, then you need to recognize that family is characterized just by their ability to consistently, constantly dig their heels in the mud. Come hell or high water, we are going to stay put. Why? Because that's the kind of thing that family does. Let me take you back. It's the fall of 1997. Is everybody there? I was a young 18-year-old college freshman coming to Nebraska Christian College, totally scared out of my mind. I begin to know things about the college, and I recognized the other day as now I'm a professor at the same college where I went. I went... The Lawrence Swedberg Library. And it began to make me think about what I knew about Lawrence Swedberg. Uh, you see, when I was a college freshman, uh, I had just known about Lawrence Swedberg. I, I had never met the man. He had retired really before I had gotten there, but his legend lived on. You know, you know what his legend was? His legend 
at least for a college freshman in 1997, wasn't about anything that he did in the classroom. It was what he did with his family. You see, his wife had come down with a a, a terminal illness. And instead of putting her in a home or taking her somewhere else to have someone else care for her, He did the hard thing and he kept her at home and he cared for her until it was time for her to go and be with Jesus. Now why do we do that? Because that's what families do. Even when it gets hard, even when it's the kind of activity that that causes us some discomfort, you come to expect it with family. And being the family of followers that we are supposed to be, it's no different. When Jesus says remain, He says you remain. Uh, Come hell or high water, you stay. You stick your heels in the mud and you stay and you stop looking around and you stay connected to what's going on right here and right now. Everything flows from this connection that we have with Jesus. You understand, don't you, that Jesus is what makes us family? Look at the end of verse 5. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. That's the second time he states that, but he goes a little farther this time. He said, If a man remains in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. But notice what he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. He's saying, if you're going to be part of my family, you have to stay faithful. You have to constantly show up. It looks like faithfulness. You want to bear fruit, then you need to show faith. Oh, Notice verse 6. He says, if anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away. And it's picked up and burned. Did you notice what he says in verse 16 of this text? If you follow down toward the end of this particular section, he says, you did not choose me and I chose you. Uh, Why? Notice the end. He says, I want to have you uh, bear fruit, fruit that will last. Gang, we have to stay connected. We're only family because of our connection with Jesus. This family relationship with Jesus has to demonstrate something. It has to demonstrate some real activity about the kind of family that we are. There has to be some characteristic. There has to be some mark. There has to be some activity that says we are bearing fruit. So what's the indicator of your life right now in the present that says to everybody around, hey, that person, I know what family they belong to. They're part of this family of followers. And Jesus, in typical Jesus fashion, preaches the same message that he has been preaching If you walk through John 13, 14, 15, you notice this kind of same sentence, this same collage of things that Jesus keeps coming up with to remind his disciples about identifying marks of who his family is. You notice him say it, notice verse 9 and 10, he says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, now remain in my love. He says, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. Uh, Time and time again, in chapters 14, 15, 16, uh, Jesus constantly comes back to, hey, you need to, if you want to be a part of this family of followers, then you need to love God by obeying him. 
So how's the barometer of your identifying mark with Christ this morning? What's the barometer read? Are you obeying Jesus? Because Jesus says, if you're not connected to me, you're not connected. He says, not only do you have to love God, but what's that oftentimes other part of that? He says, you have to love God and what? He says, you have to love others. It's the very last portion, the very last thing that he says in this section of Scripture. He says, verse 17, this is my command, love one another. If we're going to remain if we're going to stay connected, if we're going to call ourselves a family of followers of Jesus, then not only do we have to stay connected, that connection has to show something. And Jesus says, you want to show something? Show people that you love them. You want to show something? Uh, Show me that you love me uh, by being willing to obey whatever I tell you. Families do that sort of thing. They bear fruit. They show it. If I told my wife every day I love her but was never willing to show it to her, uh, she might begin to think that I really think something else. You see, it's no good simply saying it. We have to back it up. And the same is true in, in Jesus' family. When we want to have uh, the characteristic of following Jesus, uh, then there has to be fruit that shows it. This last February, some of you got to meet my mom. Now, what you may not know about my mom, my mom came from Anchorage, Alaska on her own dime uh, so that my wife could go to Billings, Montana so that she could be with her sister who's going through chemotherapy. And so my mom got up, uh, drove the seven hours to Anchorage, uh, went from uh, Fairbanks to Anchorage to Seattle, spent almost an entire day in the airport in Seattle so that she could come to Omaha so that my bride could go from uh, Omaha to Seattle to Billings so that she could be with her sister. Now, you, you, you wonder why that happens. Why people would, 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 of their own will, spend the money and the time and the heartache and the headache of going through the airport and, and dealing with TSA. Why do they do it? Well, the answer is really quite simple, isn't it? It's because they're family. It's because it's the kind of activity that one does when you are family. Uh, when you're family, uh, you do what you want to do to show anything uh, that, that all those people in your family, we're connected, we recognize who we are. It shows that we're connected. I mean, it's really right there in the text. What this text in essence is saying is when you're family, you are faithful. So who's family? Family are the faithful. Now, we could probably end the sermon there and everyone would be happy because they went to church and heard a short sermon. But the text doesn't end there and so I can't. If you look at the second half of this section in chapter 15, we recognize the challenge of being a part of this family. Sometimes showing this fruit, sometimes being a part of this family of followers results in just gut-wrenching obstacles to staying faithful. Sometimes there are just things that come up that, uh, that cause us to just really want to 
to come back and say, I, I don't want to be a part of that branch anymore. Notice verse 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Hate? Oh, wait a minute, Jesus. Uh, hate? Uh, isn't that a little strong, Jesus? Uh, I mean, you're the Savior of the world. Can't you just make him do something different? Uh, Jesus, I signed up for this team so that everything would go well. I signed up for your family. I want to be a part of this connection so that, that you know, life is roses. And Jesus, you're talking about hatred? Notice what he says in verse 20. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is a, a greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. What? Jesus. Uh, oh, hold on. Time out, Jesus. Okay, I get this love thing. I, I get loving you and, 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 and obeying your commands. I, I get loving my brothers and sisters and Jesus, my, my other family members. But, but Jesus, are you telling me that if I'm a part of this, this, this family, that there's going to be obstacles? Friends, can I, can I lean in and tell you something? Being a part of this family, unfortunately at times, means you're going to face some obstacles that are going to cause you to want to not be a part of the family. Someone's going to say that one thing that hurt your feelings. You're not going to agree with that one other family member in your family house and, and you're going to be hurt and the temptation is going to be to say, I'm going to cut myself off. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm, I'm just warning you, I know it's coming. They're going to hate you. You're going to experience some level of persecution. So are you willing to stay faithful? Are you willing to remain? Sure, I get it. I get this whole family thing. It seems simple, doesn't it? Love one another. That is, at least until people you love start getting hurt because of the convictions you hold of being part of that family. And it means that there might be levels of discomfort that it brings, and you have to be willing to say, okay... It seems okay until yours is the name that people disregard at work because you're a Christian. It seems okay until your reputation in the halls of school is not popular but prude because you're a follower of Jesus. It seems okay until there's that Facebook tirade that, you firmly, that you're firmly in the crosshairs of because of your convictions and those who oppose you. It seems clear and fine until your son or daughter is the one who's being bullied by others because they refuse to participate in the kind of activity that's foreign to the follower of Jesus. Are you hanging with me here? Sometimes being a part of this family means that opposition is going to come to you. Just yesterday, I received this Facebook message from a good friend uh, from my seminary days. He's a fellow member of Christ's family. L listen to his words. He says, hey man, long time no talk to. Real quick, I, I could really use your prayers. Christy has gone as part of a team to help our foreign pa partners in Tunisia. 
She left Thursday after the attacks there, but there's just a lot of anxiety in my heart about this whole thing. She's staying for a few nights at the house of the partners who live about two or three blocks from the museum where all of that happened the other day. Anyway, just saw you were on and asking you to join me in prayer for them and pray for my own heart and peace in the midst of it. Do you hear it? If you're part of this family of followers, there's going to be some who hate you. Now, true, we may not have mask militants in our town, not in Whiting, Iowa, forcing us to make hard choices about Christianity. But make no mistake about it, Christianity may still threaten you in some way. Maybe it will threaten your livelihood. Maybe it will threaten your children's opportunity for popularity. Maybe it will uh, threaten your possibility for employment or promotion. Uh, Maybe it will threaten uh, your earning potential or your likability among others who you want to be liked by. Maybe it will threaten your unwillingness to engage in shady business practice. And through it all, you have to make sure that you stay faithful. That's what it means to be followers of Jesus. You stay connected even when the obstacles come. Now, as horrible and challenging and as as hard as some of those things can be, uh, those obstacles that that come up that force us to to, to really dig in and say we are going to stay connected uh, to the family. Belonging to this family of followers has unparalleled comfort as well. One of the best parts of being in the family of followers is we get to pull the family card. Have you ever been around small children who love to pull the family card? This is a wonderful event. I've seen it unfold in my house on a number of occasions. Uh, It it begins with like fathers and then it goes to like grandfathers and it's kind of like a one-upmanship, right? Like, oh yeah? Oh well, my grandfather was an oil tycoon in Texas, so there, right? My grandfather was an Air Force colonel, ha! I like this one from Lydia. She found out a couple of months ago that we actually have two U.S. presidents in our family lineage. So oftentimes it just magically appears in conversation. She'll get to know someone. She'll say, hi, my name is Lydia. Did you know that we have two presidents in our family line? I'm related to them. And being the girl that she is, she'll say, William Henry Harrison and Benjamin Harrison, thank you very much. We get to pull the family card. But you know who our father is? Our father is the creator of the universe. So there. (laughs) Now catch this, catch this. This is so cool. This is so cool. Verse 7. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, what does he say? Ask Whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. Verse 16, notice the comforting words that he gives to his disciples. He says, I chose you and I appointed you to bear fruit. And then he says, then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Isn't that great? 
says, hey, you, you're going to experience some really hard stuff because you're part of a family of followers that I lead. But when you do, you can pull the God card for me. You have a family card that says, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, you have my business card. You can dial my number and I will be listening. Isn't that great news? Once in a while, I get to take Lydia, my eldest daughter. She's eight years old. Once in a while, I get to, to take her to school. I love those three to five minutes from our house to the school uh, because what does she want to do? She wants to talk to me. And I get to hear all about the things that she's looking forward to in the day. And she'll say, uh, Dad, we're going to do this at school. And, and I'm going to play uh, with talent on, on, the, on the recess field. And, and we're going to play tag. And did you know, Dad, uh, that I can, uh, I can catch talent even though he's really fast? And I'm, I'm sitting there going, wow, that's really cool, kiddo. That's so awesome. I hope you have a great day. And oftentimes, I'll just leave her with, hey, don't forget to be a, a lady of godly character today. Okay, Lydia? You know, when I get to hear my kids talk, you know what I want to do? I want to respond. I, in fact, I can't hardly wait to respond. You know what Jesus is saying here to those who are a family of followers? To those who stay connected to Jesus no matter what kind of obstacles may come up? He's saying, you can call me anytime. You can ride in the back of my truck. You can talk to me. And he can't wait to respond. That's what it means to be family. We get that kind of privilege with God. Because sometimes it's just in who you know. Now, when you're family, you're faithful. Jesus couldn't be any clearer. Are you grasping that? When you're family, you are faithful. That's the message of John 15. If you're family, you're faithful. But if you're not faithful... You're not family. If you're family, you're, you're faithful. But if you're not faithful, you're not family. Are you, are you getting that? It's the hard part of this passage. Uh, verse 2, he says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be more fruitful. More fruitful. Whatever I said before that didn't make any sense at all. But notice verse 6. If anyone does not remain in me, if anyone is not connected to me, if anyone is not faithful in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away, withers, and such branches are picked up and thrown to the fire and burned. Now you can check me on this. Throughout the Gospel of John, in fact, throughout this, all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, when Jesus is found saying something is going to be cut off, thrown away, or burned, it's not a good thing. In fact, it's worse than not a good thing. Jesus is saying, you are absolutely accountable to me. 
and I will judge you. If you are not faithful, you are not family. This is not a slap on the wrist. This is not a pat on the head. This is not a go to your room and have a time out. This is real time accountability. Do you get it? You have to be fruitful. There has to be some demonstration in your life, uh, some indicator that you are part of this family. So are you family? Uh, The power of what Jesus is saying is, uh, if my 85-year-old grandmother were to walk up on stage and begin uh, to say, Michael, I know that you're you're not living uh, like you're connected to this family, and she were to take one quilt after another, and she were to begin to tear them one square at a time until all that was left was a large pile of threads on the floor. And then she were to walk away with the words, you are no longer family. If you're not faithful, Jesus is saying you're not family. So can I encourage you? Can I lift you up? Can I challenge you? Be faithful. Be family. This morning, you're going to have an opportunity as you leave. And I want you to be reminded that what Jesus is asking for is that all of us in this room would bear much and lasting fruit, that we'd remain in Him. And so here's what you're going to grab as you walk through those double doors. There's two large piles, two large bowls filled with grapes on a little vine. I want you to take it. I want you to take it this morning. I I don't know exactly what you're going to do with it. Uh, Maybe you eat the fruit just as a reminder of the kind of fruit that you need to display uh, because you're a follower of Jesus that you need to be sweet and ready. Maybe you let it sit there for a while. Maybe you watch as the grapes uh, unattached to its source in the ground. Uh, And maybe you watch as the the grapes uh, simply shrivel. And you say, I recognize that that's not what I want to do. I want to stay connected. But however you use it, I want it to be a reminder for you this week and maybe in the weeks to come that you need to be family. And when you're here, that you be family. Let me pray with you. Gracious God, we love you. I I thank you so much for this church, for these people, for what they mean to me, and more importantly, Lord, for what they mean to you. Lord, make us family. Make us faithful. Lord, I pray for myself and for my colleagues in ministry, for for every believer in this room, for for someone who, who is wrestling with this idea of becoming a follower of you. I pray that there would be a demonstration, an indicator about our life that says that we're connected with you. Thank you, Lord.
In Jesus' name, amen.